Hello, Pioneering Today podcast listeners. I'm really excited to be back with you guys today, and we're going to be talking about food storage and mistakes that people make, how to avoid them, and ways to get your food storage organized and ready to go as we head into the summer months here soon. I know a lot of you are still in the snow and cold temps, but it's coming, I promise. So I'm really excited because this is going to be week two of our homesteading spring cleaning challenge. And this is focusing on our food storage and our food pantries. So one of the costliest mistakes in food storage, actually, the statistic really astounded me. Um, I read it and Americans throw out more than 165 billion, with a B, dollars in food every year. So in one year, that's how much food is estimated that Americans throw out. Now, a lot of us probably don't throw out um, what we think of as a lot of food, but if you start to add it up in the dollars, it actually ends up being a lot. I mean, and that that statistic right there is quite staggering, actually. Um So one of the things that I love the most about the pioneering today mindset and being self-sufficient and modern homesteading and frugal is really being wise stewards with what we have and always looking to do better though, because I think there's a danger in getting in the mindset that you think that you're already doing everything just right or you're always doing really well, um, because then we kind of can turn a blind eye or not see areas where we could still improve on. So I always like to try to think that I can do a little bit better. And look for areas um, that I can do things better on. So in my food storage and in our food use, and that's not to be throwing away quite so much. And looking for ways that we can preserve it if it's starting to go bad instead of before it, we need to toss it out. So food storage is one of those things that people really think that they have to have like this huge underground bunker they think of when you think of prepping and food storage are huge amounts of space. And that's really not true. And everybody has some amount of food storage because unless you're going to the grocery store every day, then you have some amount of food storage in your home. So don't hear the term food storage and think this means like something this really big, huge undertaking um, that you have to have in a ton of space. Um, For example, we don't have a garage. We don't have a shop. We don't actually even have a full-on barn. We have a little hay storage shed and a wood shed So, or a root cellar. We don't have a root cellar yet. So don't think that you have to have a whole bunch of food or storage for food storage because that's not true. You can do it with just a little bit. So I try to go like my major shopping just once a month. So a lot of our food storage consists of our own homegrown beef, chicken, pork, and lots of canned fruit from our garden. But we don't grow all of our own food. I know very few people who actually grow all of their own food, every single thing that they eat. Most of us have to have some kind of food storage that we purchase from the store, online, or someone else that grows it. Um, and I actually have an article that's eight foods that everyone should be storing and how to store it. So if you're brand new to food storage, this is a great place to start. So it's your basic list and it's going to get you going. And so any of the resources that I talk about, including links to this article, can be found on melissaknorris.com. Click on the podcast button and then you'll see all of the episodes. And this is episode number 50 and it's six tips to avoid food storage mistakes. So you can go and click on that article and grab that there on those eight foods you should be storing and how to get you started. So when you get into food storage, it's really important to keep your food organized. If you can't see or find what you want to at a glance, then it's going to go unused or you might purchase more before you need it. So what I want you to do, the very first thing with your 
food storage in your pantry is to go in and look at the shelves or where you have your things stored at. And can you immediately see your food? Or do you have to kind of shuffle things out of the way? And if you have to move anything, then it's time to reorganize. So the first thing that I like to do is I like like items together. So I keep all of my home canned goods in one area. So I can tell at a glance how many jars of each food item that I have left. I have all of my flour is on one shelf. So um, we grind our own flour here at home, but I do purchase a little bit of organic all-purpose flour for some special baking items. And so I have just a small amount, and then the rest I have is my wheat berries. So of the store-bought purchased flour, that's all in one area on the shelf right next to the sugar. And then my honey, those are my two sweeteners. I actually use organic evaporated cane juice. And then the same with, you know, your herbs, your pasta. My wheat berries are all kept in bags or buckets, and they're all together in one spot because I have a couple different kinds, three different kinds of wheat um, in storage right now, actually. So I want you to take down all of the items off of the shelves, and we're going to wipe them down because we don't want any residue or food stuff in there because that's an invitation for pests to come in. So it's important to wipe them down because things can get spilt or built up over time or dust. Um, so just clean up any spills or any any residue stickiness and then put our items back on the shelf by category, so like items, and the date. Which brings me to our second point, which is you really do need to keep track of dates. So if the item doesn't have an expiration date on it already, which is going to be the case with any of your homegrown stuff that you've put up, then put the date on it that it was canned or purchased if it doesn't have um, you know that on it if you bought it, it doesn't have an expiration date on it and the reason for putting the date on it is twofold um, one put the date on it because you might think that you'll remember but trust me you're going to probably forget <laughs> I put the year on the top of all of my canning jars the year that I can them so I can make sure that I know when they were done and the exception to this is the reusable canning tatler lids which we just started using a couple years ago and I usually put those at the front of the year that I do them so that they'll just get pushed to the front with when I do my food rotation but you can also write on them in sharpie on the outside of the glass jar and that'll wash off with a really good scrubbing later or you can always just put it on the bottom of the jar and then each year you can just kind of mark it off or you can use labels but labels leave sticky residue on the jars and uh, we put up, you know, probably around 300 jars averaging throughout the year. And I don't have enough labels, <laughs> nor do I want to invest in enough labels to be putting those on all the time. So right on top of the um, lid, if you use the regular canning lids, or go ahead and just write on the bottom. And if you're interested in the reusable Tatler canning lids, uh, they're really cool, but they are a little bit different. I actually have um, a complete tutorial on how to use those, what they are, how they work, and how to use them. And so that's in the show notes as well. And then so our third tip is you really want to practice food rotation. And this is so important. Um, in your fridge, in your freezer, and especially in your food storage, because this is where most of our stuff goes bad. And that's where all that waste and the throw out comes where we have to get rid of food. So always put the oldest item in the front to be used next. So that way, if you're not even thinking about it, you just go to the, you know, you go to the shelf, you go to the fridge or the freezer and you open the door. It's the first thing that you're going to automatically grab without even thinking about it. So always make sure that that oldest food is right there in front. So whenever you get a new item in, we want to make sure that we rotate it to the back. And if we're always doing this, then the oldest is always going to get pushed to the front. Um, so this is just super important. And then this, my next tip, and this is going to be 
especially with those of you who are been in food storage or getting into food storage, don't stock what you're not using. I know that that sounds obvious, but truthfully, uh, one of my biggest beefs when I see food storage advice um, is it people recommending stocking foods that you'd never eat in your everyday life. Okay, I don't have any of the MREs, you know, the army type freeze-dried food and the packages in my food storage. Um, I'm not going to use that in my everyday life. So why would I invest money in something that I'm not going to be using? I like things that I can make multiple meals from. Um, so I believe in stocking the basics. And two, food storage is, a lot of people, I should say, use their food storage as part of a preparedness plan. But what if the day that you're preparing for never comes? Because honestly, that's my hope. I hope that there never is a major catastrophe or emergency that I have to do solely on what we have put up and live off of our stores. Um, I really, I don't want that because it's going to mean a lot of hardship for a lot of people. So if that day never comes and you've purchased food that you're only going to use for when that day comes, then you've wasted money on things that you're not using. And if you're not using it on a daily basis, when an emergency happens, we even know how to use those items. So I only have items in my food storage that I'm using in our everyday cooking life. Uh, I, I don't have the extra funds, honestly, to invest in things that I'm not going to be using or eating and cooking with on a regular basis. So if you stock an item, then I believe you better be using it. <laughs> so that's my, my number four tip. Don't stock what you're not using. And then number five, again, these seem basic, but they're really easy to overlook, is know what you have. You know, one of the easiest ways for us to lose money is to not know what we have. So I'm going to share a little example um, so that I need to follow my own advice a little bit better. Um, I thought that I only had 10 pounds of sugar left in our food storage. So when I went to town on my monthly trip to Costco, I purchased another 10 pounds but I now have 30 pounds of sugar because I didn't really double check and I wasn't accurate in what I thought in my head, which written records are really needed. Um, you can have them electronically. I prefer written because if something happens to your computer or your phone or say something, you know, power wise, whatever, I like to have a hard copy of things. So you can keep an electronic record and that's totally fine, but also have one printed out. So I 30 pounds of sugar is close to a year's worth of sugar for us. And I do like to have a year's worth of supplies on hand on my most basic things. I don't use a ton of sugar anymore in our cooking. And all of my homemade jam and jelly recipes, which are the only jam and jellies that we use, are all low sugar. So that 30 pounds of sugar isn't going to go to waste. But I didn't need to replenish it yet. And I did need to replenish my spelt wheat berries. And so it would have been a better use of my money to actually buy the spelt berries, which I still have to replenish now than buying the sugar at that time. So keeping an inventory is really key. And also I replenish my items, not when I run out, but when I'm getting low. So you need to know a, a basic threshold of how low you'll let an item go before you replenish it in your food storage. And that way you're not repurchasing everything at once and all the time. So it's going to kind of be staggered, which really helps you in frugalness wise. So number six, and this is going to kind of bring us right into our next point here, is to know how much of an item that you use in a year. So there's some basic guidelines online, and I can link to some of those for you in the show notes. But my family's goal is to have one year's worth of food in our food storage at all times. Now, if you're just starting out, 
go for one month or go for three months, go for six months, work your way up. You don't have, it doesn't have to be all at once. So I really want to have, you know, don't let it become overwhelming. But each family and how much they use of a certain food per year is going to be slightly different, um, especially depending upon dietary needs, maybe allergies that you have. So I like everything customized to me. Quite honestly, when I'm looking at this stuff, I you know I like to know everything and how it's going to be for me and my family. So this is the easiest way that I've used to calculate a year's supply worth of food for you and your family, and that is to put a date on an item when you open it, when you start using it, and just see how long it takes you to use it up. So for instance, with coconut oil, I purchase our coconut oil from Costco because I can get. Um, 72 ounces for $22, which is the most frugal buy that I have found, um, even versus online, honestly. So I put a date on the coconut oil when I bring the jar that I use in the kitchen that's on the shelf in the kitchen and not in my food storage. And it usually takes me about five months to use that whole one up. So I know that two jars is going to keep us pretty well for a year on our coconut oil. So I like to always have one open jar in the kitchen that I'm using and two in my food storage area. So you just need to know how long it takes you to use an item and then multiply that out for a 12-month average. But you need to be sure to account for holidays or preserving times when you might use more of a certain ingredient like canning salt. I use a lot more canning salt, obviously, in the summer months than I usually do in the winter months or sugar. So around the holidays, because I'm doing more baking, I tend to use more sugar and I tend to use a little bit more sugar in the summer when I'm doing all of our homemade jams, jellies, syrups, marmalades, all those kind of things. So just kind of keep an account for that. And I usually try to estimate a little bit over instead of under. Um, And you can also do this if you don't want to wait, you know, a full five months to figure out how long. You can just put a date on something and see how much you use over four weeks. So you can kind of average it out that way. Um, But I actually took the time to see how much it took me to use all of the one jar of our coconut oil. And it tends to be pretty, pretty accurate. Um, That was about two years ago that I did that. And it still stays to this day about we use the same amount pretty much. Um, So like I said, I recommend restocking an item before it's totally gone. We keep a minimum of um, sugar, flour, wheat berries, salt, and coconut oil on hand at all times. So that way you're never out, but you're not restocking it all at the same time. So that's kind of actually a bonus tip number seven. Um, And so this is really into where we're doing our spring cleaning challenge on the homestead, and that's to look at your canning supplies. I keep my canning supplies in with my food storage, actually. Um, in our little pantry and find a place for all of your canning bands. My canning bands are probably the number one thing that tends to topple over and make a mess in our food storage area. I don't store my home canned jars of food with the bands on because they tend to rust. So I have a large basket that I keep most of my bands in, but you can really get creative. I've seen canning bands hung on a rope. I've seen them put, um, someone took like a metal a clothes hanger and put it into a circle and then put all the canning bands on it in a circle and it kind of looked like a wreath. It was really cute and hung that up. So however you want to 
store those things. You know, you can get creative. And I like I like hanging things because it uses wall space instead of all of my shelf space or my floor space or, you know, falling over and being cluttered. So if you can find a way to hang things up on the wall, just make sure that you have it on a stud if it's something heavy um, or that it's not going to fall off and, you know, knock somebody in the head or something like that. So I really like to go up vertically um, as well. And then another thing that I want you to look at when you're going through your food storage and getting organized is to take a look at your canning lids. We, I try to keep a year's worth on hand. So I try to keep about 200 lids on hand at all times. And make sure that you have enough of the regular and wide mouth lids to fit your supply of jars. Uh, speaking of jars, did you run low last year? I did actually. I ran out of the wide mouth quart jars. And so for me, I always try to can a little bit more than I did the year before. So that way I'm not in competition with anybody and I'm not trying to double or anything like that, which if you're already canning a lot to double might be just too much for you to do in a year. So I always try to add just a little bit more every single year. So right now is a great time to stock up on your canning lids and your canning jars before the craziness of canning season arrives because many stores will run out of the canning jars and the canning lids. They only order in enough just um, for the season. And so if they sell out sooner, they don't carry them all year round and they won't get any more in. So I like to make sure from a preparedness standpoint as well that I have all of my canning jars and lids that I'm going to need beforehand. Um, and so actually, and I'm, I will link to this in the show notes too. I love canning jars. I think I seriously, I'm a canning addict. I just, I love canning. It's one of my favorite homesteading, home food preservation things. Um, and I love antique vintage things. I know many of you are with me on that. And so I love the old antique canning jars, the bluish turquoise ones. I have um, quite a few of those now. And of course, I don't use them to can with but I do use them for my dry goods food storage. Um, I use them in decoration. I think I have one in almost every jar or room of the house. In fact, in my kids' bathroom, I use one of the blue canning jars as their toothbrush holder. And so you'll just find them all throughout my house. And I just love them. But most people are famil- most familiar with the turquoise colored old antique canning jars because they were made for the longest period of time. But they actually made a whole bunch of different colors of the canning jars um, way back when. And some of the more rarer ones were the green color, purple, and actually black. And I have never seen a black canning jar myself. Um, They did them colored because it helped. They thought that it helped keep the light out. And so it would keep the food safer longer, which is why now um, you're supposed to store all of your long-term canned food out of the dark because we know that light degrades food. So anyways, it's really cool as Ball has brought back and done some replicas of some of them. And so most of you saw the replicas that they did of the turquoise jars. That was the first year. Last year they did the green jars. And then this year they have is the purple jars. And so they're limited edition. And actually, this is the last year that they're doing it. It's the finale of this. So the last color that they're doing is the purple. And I just yesterday got mine. I'm so excited. Um, If you follow me on Facebook, you saw me post a picture of them because I just thought they were so pretty that I needed a picture. (laughs) And so they are really pretty. They're a deep purple, um, kind of a violet color when the light shines through them. But they're really pretty. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I might like them as much as the turquoise ones as my old blue ones. They're really pretty. And so I got some wide mouth quart sized 
ones and then I got some pint sized ones as well. And like I said, they're limited edition. I haven't seen them in the stores yet. Um, but Ball said that the stores order them in and then stop, put them out at their own discretion. So when they want to put them out, so you might not see them all come out at the same time in the stores and not all the stores might even order the limited edition. So I will share the picture in today's show notes because they're so pretty. And I'll also um, give you a link to where you can order them and get them in now um, if you're like me and they're just prettiest things ever. So of course, I think they'll look gorgeous with some blueberry jam and then blueberry pie filling, maybe rhubarb. Um, but I think they just look pretty sitting out. I can't wait till my roses are in bloom. I can use them as vases and then to make up homemade um, gift items and that kind of thing. And they're just, they're just really pretty. So I wanted to share those with you because I thought they were so gorgeous. So back to, um, so that is my other tip. I know I got sidetracked there because get me talking about mason jars, you guys. Goodness, I could go on for days. <laughs> um, so our next thing is we need to go through is your spice and herb cabinet. So spices and herbs lose their potency after they've been exposed to air for a certain period of time. And truthfully, spices and herbs can really make or break a dish. They're a great way to add flavor with, without a little, without much cost, um, and I don't purchase spices at the store anymore. Honestly, they're too expensive. I grow some of our own herbs at home, and this is going to depend upon your climate. And so actually, I have a tutorial, a link to that in the show notes as well, on how to dry and store your own herbs. Um, but like I said, with our climate, I can't grow all of my own herbs and certainly not all of my own spices. Spices are very um, specific to regions and even certain countries. So I have a basic list of spices and herbs that I always have on hand. And this is really important if you plan on making all of your own spice mixes like I do. So I don't buy, you know, taco mix, chili mix. Um, I don't buy any packets of spices and that kind of a thing. Um, excuse me, not packets of spices, but you know, the little packet mixes that you mix in with things. <laughs> I just make up my, all my own from scratch. So this is kind of a basic list that I keep on hand. And for the spices that I keep on hand, and this is includes for canning recipes as well. Um, it is cayenne pepper, chili powder, cumin, celery, salt, cloves, whole and ground, curry, ceylon uh, cinnamon, ginger, mustard, whole and ground, nutmeg, red pepper flakes, pepper, whole and ground, paprika, turmeric, onion powder, and garlic powder. And I generally use the whole versions of those spices in my canning recipes. And then with the herbs, I usually always have on hand basil, dill, oregano, sage. I really love sage. Sage is like one of my favorite herbs. Thyme, rosemary, and parsley. So what I don't grow and dry myself, I purchase my herbs and spices in bulk from Mountain Rose Herbs. Um, I'm an affiliate with them. And they have organic, non-GMO, and harvested responsibly herbs and spices. And they're a lot cheaper than the store-bought versions. That's actually how I first found them. Um, organic spices at the stores near me are usually at least $5, sometimes closer to 10 for just a little small glass bottle. But Mountain Rose Herbs has a bulk section, and so I can get an entire pound, for example, of organic garlic powder, a whole pound, big old bag, for 10 bucks. Um, or you can just get a regular small, like the glass size bottles that you usually see in the stores for three twenty five, And that's just on one of the examples. And they also have some of the things that are I haven't actually found at our regular stores. And one of those is smoked paprika. And they also have a really good smoked sea salt. It's all their smoked sea salt and it's fantastic um, flavoring in dishes. 
I think I have a thing for smoked foods because the smoked sea salt and smoked paprika, I think, are one of my favorite things, and I get those from them. So I'll have a link um, to those in the show notes as well, so you can check that out. Um, and really, this all of the pantry things that we're talking about is to keep all of your inventory, your rotation, and expiration records in one place. So I was really excited to find and share with you guys, this is probably the most comprehensive planner that I've come across for keeping track of your food storage. Um, Jennifer has done a great job. It has inventory sheets, rotation calendars, an area for expiration. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be part of that statistic who throws away money with wasted food. She also has areas for your water storage, um, inventory for medical supplies, and a ton more. It really is the most comprehensive preparedness planner that I have seen. It has great um, things you can print out for food storage, inventory, and management. And she really just covers all areas. She has an essential oil area, um, inventory for essential oils, which I'm like, oh, that's awesome because I've gotten more and more into essential oils. Um, And so keeping an inventory on that is really important as well. So I will have a link to that um, in the show notes. And so now we're going to go to our reader question of the week. And that is, what is the best pressure canner to buy? I get asked this question almost weekly, which I love because that means that one that someone is getting into canning. And I'm a canning addict. I, I freely admit, hand is raised. <laughs> And so I love that people are getting into that. Um, and so I really, I love answering that question. But I get asked it so much that it was, I decided to write an article, a post on it, so that I can refer people to it. So it depends on several factors, honestly, which is going to vary for each family. So there's five major things to consider. And the article, um, five tips to purchasing the best pressure canner for you, you can find in the show notes, which again is at mostcanoris.com. Click on the podcast button, and this is episode number 50. And so you need to consider, one, the size of your family that you're canning for. Um, two, what si- what kind of stove you're using to can, because if you have a glass top stove, you can't use all canners. So that's another thing that you really do need to consider as well. Um, and money. Money comes into play. The, there's different prices for the different canners, and So I really walk through on how to choose which one for you, especially if funds are an option and the benefits and pros and cons to the different kinds. So if you want to check that out, if you're looking into getting a pressure canner this year, then you definitely want to read that. And then that brings us into our verse of the week. And I tell you what, time is so fleeting. The past three weeks. Um, I have done some unexpected traveling, which has been fun and you guys have read about. And then we did a surprise trip with our kids. Um, We took them to Great Wolf Lodge, but we didn't tell them that we were going. And so we just went and checked them out of school and said we had to go get the car worked on, but we had to drive quite a ways to do it, which isn't abnormal for us because we live pretty rurally. But Great Wolf Lodge um, is about three hours from our house. So it was a little bit of a jaunt. So we just picked them up and said we wouldn't be home in time to get them off the bus and they had to come with us. And so they were excited because they were out of school for part of the day. And so we just drove down and we didn't tell them. And so when we got close to it, I said, oh man, we're going to have to stop for a bathroom break. So we're going to pull off here and go to the bathroom. So we pull into the parking lot of Great Wolf Lodge and it was so much fun. So I looked at my son and he's almost 10. 
I'm like, do you know why we're here? And he's looking kind of funny because he recognizes the place. And he's like, you just have to go to the bathroom. Like they still didn't get it. It was great. And so we're like, no, we're coming here. And so they were so excited. It was one of the best surprises that we've ever done. It was just a blast. But we weren't going to go this year. And so that's why it was a surprise for the kids. Um, you know, it, it is an expense. And so we, we just decided that we probably weren't going to go this year. And so we told the kids we didn't think we were going to be able to make it this year. But as I thought about it, you know, I realized that my kids are growing up quick and the time is going fast. And I just decided that we would cut in other areas in order to make this trip. And I'm so glad that we did. Um, we spent the whole time together and it was really a great way to make memories. And not that you have to go somewhere like that to make those memories, but I was just really glad that we did it because I realized, you know, they're growing up quick and it won't be too many more years before they're not going to want to hang out with mom and dad anymore. So, you know, I, I was just reminded that the days just, they pass faster and faster and we really aren't guaranteed anything beyond today as far as time and being here. And I want to leave live each day in step with the Lord. I want to make sure that I'm taking time every day to ask the Lord what he would have me to do, not necessarily what I want to do, but what his plan for me is for the day and to rest in his presence. Um, we get so weary running around that it's really important to ground ourselves back with God and the Lord and to know what's important. And so my verse for the week is Psalm 90, verse 12. And it's teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Because I don't think there's anything more important than having godly wisdom to govern our lives with. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and be sure to check out all of the resources and stuff that I mentioned. You can get the um, entire transcription and all the links to everything for this episode at MelissaKNorris.com under the podcast button. And this is episode number 56 tips to avoid food storage mistakes.